how we bought a fucking bird. Jesus. Yeah. Because you want to make it fuck. Matt Damon movie. We bought a duck. (laughs) (laughs) We bought a bird. It's such a more reasonable film. (laughs) That's the prequel. (laughs) What are we going to do with this bird? Well. Credits. (laughs) (laughs) It's just a short before the movie. (laughs) I don't know where to put my bird. (laughs) It's the Hotel Chevalier of We Bought a Zoo. Well, let's let's get down to brass tacks. We're here to we're here to exchange some money, and uh, some of us will come away uh, much more uh, richer than we started. And then we went into this room, and some people are going to walk out of here with a lot of feather weave. So, uh, how about we uh, just go ahead and make some offers? Well, I'm glad that you have an understanding of the business, my boy. I was expecting a bit of resistance from from pirates, but it's it's good to know that uh, we've got someone in the room with a good head on their shoulders. Well, we've eh? got we've all got places to be. Well, well, well. Let's not oh, get no. too far oh. ahead of ourselves here. Can I get y'all something to drink? <laughs> oh, be careful. My friend Lightfellow here will get you into a lengthy dicker if you're not careful. Uh, <laughs> Nothing for me, thank you. What, are you. what will you be having, Mr. Lightfellow? Oh, well, I'm just going to pour some of this here whiskey. Uh, let's go. I'll, I'll take a. How about you cut that with a sweet tea and uh Sweet tea, you say? Yeah. Well. A boy after my own heart right here. (laughs) It is unwise to be drinking in a meeting like this. These men are vultures. At that, you can see that Argus smiles even more deeply. It's good to see that the Tempest Armada is as cantankerous at the negotiations table as they are on the battlefield. These drinks ain't just for our uh, soon-to-be benefactors. You're more than welcome to some as well. I will be abstaining. Thank you. I assume someone like makes a drink and brings it over to John. John takes it, he swirls it a couple times, and then he puts it on a table. And he just kind of puts it right there. And then, okay, let's get down to business. Smart boy. (laughs) This will be an after drink. (laughs) Um, I believe uh, uh, the Red Feather Reclamations Department uh, requested the first offer. Yes, indeed. Uh, the thank you, uh, Mr. Broker. Uh, this is Red Feather property, as oh. we know. Although I am tasked with bringing it back, I am not enthusiastic about overpaying for it. Uh, but seeing as how you've stumbled upon quite the cash that uh, even I was uninformed was just floating about, I think it's... Uh, uh, worthwhile making a serious offer. The Red Feather Syndicate is willing to commit 
100,000 gold bars to this, and we will supplement that with full pardons for all peoples involved. And to any who should be of an officerial level of skill, we will offer you any free training at the Red Feather Academy uh, for officers, and that would extend to any offspring that you have out to two generations. Full pardons. I, I mean, I we came into this uh, this feather weave by way of a happenstance. No one has committed any kind of crime, so a oh, pardon wouldn't necessarily. Oh, my boy, be... I would never imagine to accuse you of a crime. He says with that same smile. This is unrelated, obviously, to uh, how the feather weave was acquired, and circles more around the consistent and repeated actions of that captain you're sitting next to. And mere association with him would be a hanging offense. Gable wants to make the captain do something. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. What do I roll for this, James? Uh, this so is this a new would be thing. divine. Divine. Yeah. Was it divine for JPC? Yep. Okay. But am I taking strain? This uh, is also the. You will take two strain. Jeez, really? Um, and <laughs> this is going to be. Oh, it depends on how complicated. What it, do you want him to do? Um. Dab. Yes. <laughs> what I want him to do. Dabbing is free. <laughs> is to look at the representative from the red feather. Red feathers. Look him in the eye, and then pointedly turn away and look towards. The next person. Okay, excellent. Subtle, uh, but I'm going to call it easy. It's not hugely dramatic. uh, So roll one purple die with all of those. Too strange. God, he's been doing that. That is... This is a threat? Yeah, it looks like just two successes. Two successes, yeah. Red, uh, yeah, so with two... Can I have a pencil to mark my strain? Um, I got one. Thank you. Nice. Nice. Yeah, with two successes, that's easy. It looks completely natural, uh, totally emotionally motivated. And I, I think the Red Feather representative just smiles at his reaction. And this is the first time Gable's really done a full action of, of trying to control the captain. Mm-hmm. And it feels awful. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, John, it just kind of leans over to Gable. Is everything okay? Mm-hmm. Well, uh, thank you, Mr. Uh, Westfield, for your uh, initiating offer. Now, let's uh, let's move on. Mr. Lightfellow? Well, now I might not be able to offer you all that, but I do think that you will find my offer quite appealing nonetheless. Now, I'm more than willing to have y'all come down to my ranch, spend some time... Uh, Taking in the sights of nature and enjoying all that we have to offer on our lovely estate. And I would be happy to offer you 150,000 gold bars and a Stetson hat. Oh, wow. Uh, Okay, well... uh... Now, where is your estate? Uh, uh, I, 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 I actually come from the mainland, um, and uh, the uh, the life fellow has made quite a name for itself in terms of uh, the salted beef products that they <laughs> that they uh, shuttle all throughout the uh, the land. Um, you mean to tell me that we'd have a, a welcoming invitation to the life fellow? Farm? Oh, of course, you could come see the whole process. The before. 
the during and the after, and you'd be able to have all the salted meats you'd want, and I'd even let you cure some yourself. Okay. Uh, and there's nothing more beautiful than looking out on the pasture and seeing that fresh beef. He's just like slowly like walking towards like a wi- a giant window, just <laughs> swirling his drink. A <laughs> beautiful beef. <laughs> the offer stand right now. It it sounds like uh, fifty thousand gold bars uh, and full pardons, along with scholarship to the academy. The next offer is one hundred fifty thousand gold bars with what sounds like a very nice vacation <laughs> and a Stetson hat. <laughs> One Stetson hat. <laughs> Then I, I refer to you, Leo Toa, and Leo Toa nods and looks directly at Oromar. It's hard to suss out the emotion on their face. I, I think they read as guarded. Um, okay. Although, any, like, you can make, uh, it's not perception, it's, what is the... Horniness. Yeah, horny, make a horniness check. You are so horny. You are so horny. <laughs> I'm glad the word horny is yeah. sort of making its way into the popular lexicon. It's mm-hmm. been it's been there, I would say, for at least a good year. It's fun to say. It is fun to say. Make make horny. a cool check. Cool. Uh, Versus? Uh, I think this is going to be too purple Sheesh. average. Okay. Gable's not very cool. Uh, and, uh, Jonathan, you're uh, able oh. to attempt this as well. So oh, my cool is like. only two. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, me too. Success. Two successes and two threats. Okay. I think that's uh, X's are failures. Failures. Yeah, yeah. This is a total wash. So, uh, Jonet, I believe with your drink, there they served it with a cherry that has a tiny sword stabbed through it. Uh huh. And that's just cool. <laughs> uh, <laughs> just in all of this, Jonet just, just like, like swirls it, swirls it. Oh, oh, wow. wow. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. That's a real metal little it's sword. So Can I keep this? <laughs> Innovation. Is this is this free? There's three cherries on there. <laughs> Gable, looking at Leo Toa, you can see their expression is somewhat suspicious, guarded. It looks like they are looking at Oromar searching for an answer to a question that you don't know. They take a moment to look him up and down. Fifteen thousand gold bars. And she places a small object on the table. It is made out of carved lapis lazuli. It looks like a human heart has been carved out of this and laid into silver. The heart of the banded queen. With this, I'm going to let everybody make uh, some sort of knowledge check. Yeah. Take a look like, at what, I don't know the knowledges that, that you have uh, and which ones you think would apply. All my knowledges are the same because Gable's dumb. <laughs> All right, well, knowledge adventurings. Yeah, that adventuring definitely fits. Uh, I'm going to make this a average check to purple. Heart of the Bandit Queen. I have three threats and a failure. Uh, No, those are three advantages. Three advantages and a failure. Okay. So this is, ooh, okay. So this is one success, one advantage. Okay. Uh, so, Jonat, you have heard tale uh, in your home port of the Tempest Armada, led by the Bandit Queen. 
the Tempest Armada is a group of pirates who specifically target Redfeather ships and territories looking to basically fight open warfare against them. Uh, They live in outer territories. They're rumored to be over a hundred ships in their fleet, uh, but very little is known about them except uh, that they are very effective at what they do and they're constantly sending uh, messages to the Red Feather in ways of attacked ships. Real quick, so a hundred ships, I mean, I feel like if that was, if we were counting those in terms of like a, like a grassroots armada that might be impressive but it feels like also up against like the red feather syndicate like that they'd be able to do damage but also like there's no head way. to head like yeah. they'd get demolished exactly okay, like, like there's absolutely no way that they could openly challenge the red feathers because all the ships that they have are ships that mm. are stolen yeah. essentially from the red feathers okay uh, they despite that uh they have made good use of those ships and you know that they're a group of pirates and they work the way that pirates do they hit ships that are vulnerable they take what they can and uh their attacks are sort of focused on hurting red feather resources and trying to slow their ever-growing expansion and hold on more and more regions the heart of the bandit queen is something that I believe you heard a story about in, in a tavern or something. People whispering in hushed tones. It is an emblem that is given to people who have done great service for uh, the Tempest Armada. And it is supposed to be worth a thousand favors from the bandit queen. That would mean anyone who commands the heart of the bandit queen could summon a hundred ships at almost any time they wanted. Mm. It is a mark of tremendous respect and trust granted to someone. Gable, you don't know diddly about what the heart of the bandit queen uh, is, but you do know uh, that this person was eyeing Orimar suspiciously earlier. Mm-hmm. They very hesitantly and reluctantly offered up the heart of the bandit queen. Interesting. Why don't we each take some quiet time and I'll attend to my studies and try to instruct Jonathan when he gets back. And and you you can continue to debase yourself. You both hear a key enter the latch. That was a quick meeting. I hope you have lots of money. The door slowly moves open. And thrown inside is one of the hotel staff. You know, dressed as a spooky skeleton, you can see. I forgot that's how they're dressed. butlers. You can see that they look like very frightened and and nervous as they are thrown into the room. Behind them is a large group of red feather soldiers. The person looks up. I, I'm sorry. They made me. And as they say that, someone snaps their fingers. Dref, you recognize divine magic mm-hmm. uh, when you see it. There's, I think, a little bit of smell of ozone in the air as this person is just zapped with, like, it's not a lightning bolt, but it is a bit of force that, like, strikes this person out. I'm sure they are very sorry. Sorry. 
as Dref hears that voice, Dref wants to use his own divine magic very quickly. Mm-hmm. And I want to try to use uh, divine magic to restrict Travis's ability to speak. Oh. I basically want to like cast a silent spell on Travis. That rules. <sighs> I want to give uh, you the chance of failure. So sure. uh, you're going to be rolling against Johnny's will. So okay. what is your... Do you want to give me the chance of failure? Or do you want to give me immediate success? <laughs> <laughs> you got two greens yeah, not, for will. It, it's not Travis's will. It's Johnny's will. So Okay, so just purples? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, big time. Big time. So I got it. Well, it's only one success and four advantages. Okay. Um, so what I'd like to do with those advantages is as I do this, and I'm sure... Travis is very confused. I would like to shoot them like a, a, a look and we meet eyes and my look is like panic and a little bit of regret. Mm-hmm. So fanning into the room are these red feather soldiers. Imagine my surprise when I come to compete in Ayapiora and I find that none other than the Uhuru is docked at this port. It's just a funny coincidence, don't you think? As I've been looking for the ship for quite some time. Looking for the ship? Indeed. When you were, well, as mother and father believe, murdered. But when you were kidnapped by the Uru, I was quite disturbed. We all were. The sisters, brothers, and of course mother was quite broken up over it. Dref pulls his wig off of his head and lets it kind of fall to the floor. I can't believe you slipped past me in the lift. I can't believe you didn't notice me. Maybe your pirate hunting senses are failing you, brother. (laughs) Well, perhaps they are. But they haven't failed enough because I am still here. Uh, Travis tries to, like, yell out something, but I think all that comes out is just... I think he'll like casually pull out a pistol and take a shot at at Travis. Um, Travis is dead. (laughs) (laughs) I, yeah, I don't, uh, yeah, let's, let's see if you get injured. I'm obviously just going to fly away or try, you know, try to. Yeah. I I think you are a very difficult target and I don't, I also don't think he's trying very hard Mm. to hit you right now. Yeah, he misses bad. Travis flies over to the fancy perch. Well, that's quite a nice bird. Please, there's no reason to hurt the hotel attendants or kill birds. Well, they are harboring a fugitive. They don't know. They don't know who I am. And they don't know what I've done. (sighs) I have a few questions for you, brother, before we get down to business. Would you entertain me? Do I have a choice? I suppose you do, though what I know of you, I don't think you have the stomach for the alternative. Please, take a seat. And get this man a drink. He signals to one of his soldiers to go over to the bar. Uh, Dref takes a seat and a chair. How many people are in this room? I am going to say that there are about uh, six people in the room that you can see, and then Tiberius. And is the man that was struck, is that person dead? That person is unconscious. 
can we make that person dead? Yes, okay. absolutely mm, okay. we can. Okay, yeah, Dref takes a seat in the chair. Now then, when I was dispatched to your school on the night that you were kidnapped, I was dispatched there to take care of your instructor. There was a tip that Oromar Vale, the famed dread pirate, was going to spirit him away from the school, and him and all of his foul knowledge that the church refused to act on for so long would fall into the hands of corsairs. Now, I accomplished my mission, but you can imagine my surprise when none other than my younger brother was taken by the pirates. Did you go willingly, or were you truly taken? So you killed him then? Yes, of course. He was committing abominations. I knew he died, but I didn't know. Alistair, please. What that man studied... And what I fear you studied under him was anathema to everything, to the very order of the world. If that sort of knowledge got spread, investigated further, who knows what foul things could pop out of the sea. You're not worried about the sea, brother. You're worried about the young blood name. You're worried about what it would do to learn that your kin, your brother had studied something powerful. You sound just like him. Alistair, please tell me that this hasn't happened to you. That that, that this is some grooming by Ormar Vale. You wouldn't be here if you thought that was true. I'm sure he gave me away. I'm sure you tortured him before he died. Of course we tortured him before he died. So yes, it's true. I went willingly aboard the Uhuru. Why was Vale interested in you? He's a stupid pirate. He wasn't interested in me. He was interested in making money. You know I don't believe that. Uh, can I roll deception? Yes, it's please. Not, it's not a good skill of mine. Uh, what's the check? Uh, I, I think this is going to be hard. Okay. Nope. One disadvantage. Oof. Come now, brother. Do you really expect me to believe the consort of the bandit queen and the person who co-founded the Tempest Armada was just interested in picking up scholars at a university? He had a plan, and I will have it. I know you want to believe that there's some grand scheme, some clever plan. But I saw an opportunity to leave when I knew I needed to go. And Oromar was in need of a doctor, not a necromancer. He knew nothing of what I was. Regardless of what the truth is, I can get it from Vale himself. I think you might have a harder time with that, brother. You've overplayed your hand. <laughs> You've caught me here alone. Travis, uh, you know, shouts again, but bird sounds. Mm-hmm. You know that I know exactly where Vale is. I'm your buyer. In fact, I think your crew is just about to sell your ill-gotten feather weave to me. I can't imagine the Red Feathers or the Tempest Armada are going to offer anything approaching what I am. 
Jonnet kind of like turns to the broker. How far away is the broker in this? And the broker is like on the other side of, of a table that's probably like eight to ten feet long. Um, if okay. you wanted to grab a sidebar, you'd probably just have to tell yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, In these, in these uh, negotiations, is there ever a moment for like a caucus, like a, like a small break, and then like we'll come? You can call for that whenever you like. Gotcha. Um, All right. Um, so then, uh, Jonnet, the heart of the bandit queen. Well, that's a very... It's a very interesting offer, uh, Leo. Uh, I, I've only heard stories of this, but um, a uh, one who holds the heart of the bandit queen, one of them, is uh, in possession of a great many amount of favors. The full force of the Tempest Armada would be at your disposal, or huh. more accurately, Oromar Vale's disposal. Captain Vale is uh, very interested in this, as... Uh, He's often uh, amused about what it would be like to to hold the heart of the bandit queen in his hand uh, privately in the ship. I imagine he has. Ooh. Oh, he did a bad thing. Okay. Um, Gable is going to cast another. Um, this is probably going to be hard. I want the captain to get up. Mm-hmm. Walk over to the broker and put his hand out for the young blood offer. Dope. Uh, yeah. So, uh, and then Leo's offer was fifteen. Fifteen thousand. Yeah. Okay. That is a lot less than. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and I think this is actually just average. You think? Yeah. Okay. I mean, it, it, it's you're telling him get up and get up, move, out. put a hand out, yeah, and then come back. Get up, stand up. Stand up for your like rights. the air that we're trying to give is like Oromar is just very rude to everyone mm-hmm. as kind of a power play. I mean, he's not talking, so. No. <laughs> that went over here. Two failures and an advantage. Oh, wow. wow. So you try to command Oromar to move over and grab the final offer, but his gaze is completely fixed upon the heart of the bandit queen. And you said it felt like, you know, marionette strings attached to your fingers you can feel a pull as though he's trying to reach for it um with that realization i believe the broker knocks on the table twice and a raven hops down and grabs the offer from uh the young bloods then hops across the table and drops really, it in front you're of You're just Oromar. showing off, really. <laughs> and then that raven bursts into flames. Like, <laughs> Stop <laughs> wasting your birds. <laughs> they're disposable birds. No, they're not. <laughs> Jonnet kind of clocks what's happening and, like, maybe notices, like, a slight change in Gable's face and, like, ha- how, like, dead set the captain is on the heart. So he just kind of, like, reaches over grabs the letter kind of like gestures like if you'll excuse us for just one moment we have an offer to take a look at and so he pu- opens the letter and then he kind of like shows it leans over and shows it to gable and kind of like pretends to show it to to Ormar. opening that uh there is not um, much to do on this it merely says one million gold bars and deed of ownership to windrider island Pardon? 
Can I roll for knowledge of what? Yeah, this will be hard. Okay. One million? One million. One million dollars, right, y'all? Yeah, uh-huh. Oh, damn it. That could have been. Wait. John, it knows. Well, one success. I think uh, yeah, you're, you said your uncle gave you this this map, right? Or, or you got it from um, uh, I got it from hip. He was just like a he was a friend that made his way through town every couple of months. OK, so hip would tell stories about the different journeys that they had been on. Mm-hmm. Um, and they told you one day with a wink, if you're ever looking for a good show, you have to go to Windrider Island. Well, I I mean, just in general, I feel like after looking at like one million and then gold bars, like that is enough to be like, John, like he looks at it and then his eyes just like flare huge. And then like he maybe just like uh, his hands get a little shaky with the, the, the parchment and he like tries to rein it back in and like, well, it seems as though we have our, our opening offers and um, if uh, he looks at it again, if anyone would like to maybe re-up or, or anything, now's the time to, to, to do that. He looks at it again. Wow. Mm-hmm. Well, I think I know a hard bargain when I see one and I can see that y'all don't want to be left out. So I'll go ahead and throw in two more Stetson hats. Okay. <laughs> and what's the market value on those Stetson hats? Oh, again? they're priceless. That's... <laughs> So that means we can't resell them. Well, why would you? Why, I don't follow. Okay. Well, I mean, we're going to be up in the we 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 travel by uh, by it, but by the air, and we'd be up there, and wind would be whipping, and the stetson hat might fly off very easily. Oh well, no. You see, my stetson hats have a nice little strap that goes under the chin. You see, so, so when then you are be like constricting sky. our neck and. Ain't you ever worn a hat with a, tra- a strap or, or, or maybe some uh, some sunglasses with croquis? <laughs> I can't say that I have, but I, it is an experience that I might uh, invest some of our new uh, earnings in, uh, in uh, having very soon. Well, no need to invest if you go with me. The hats come free, <laughs> my friend. Now, investment. That's something I'd like you to think about. Uh, the offer that the Red Feather Syndicate has made would be an investment in your future. Right now, if you were to take my friend Lightfellow's offer, you would be hunted for the rest of your life. Not just by me and my ships, but every ship in the Red Feather Armada, an armada that covers all the known Earth. We would not stop. We would pursue you until you were too old to keep running. Now, there is something to say about the beauty of the hunt, looking out on those fields. At the beef? My good light fellow, you're merely remembering that experience from uh, the perspective of a hunter, which I imagine is quite different than prey. Uh, But the prey does feel the thrill as well, and there's no greater thrill than escaping with your life. Hmm. There's also your future to consider. Obviously, sitting at the left hand of Oromar Vale, you've accomplished quite a bit, young sir. Yes, and I currently, from where I stand, my future seems very bright. Imagine what you could do with officer training at the greatest academy this earth has ever seen. Hmm. Imagine never having to go hungry again on your ship because it's stocked full of 
like fellow cured meats. It doesn't go bad. <laughs> Ever. <laughs> Ever. Uh, Imagine bringing justice to those that deserve it. I am going to use that feather weave to build my own fleet. And I'll collect the prize that I have offered them for myself. And I'm going to use it to hunt down every last member of the Tempest Armada and imprison every member of the Uhuru. And what of me? I suspect you'll take me back to father so he can lock me in some dungeon somewhere, push me out of the public sight... Oh. I won't do it. I'll scream. I'll shout. I will make what I have done known. I will tarnish the young blood name. Alistair, Alistair, is that what you think courage is? Is that your brave stand? You'll scream and shout. Alistair, you're not leaving this room. There are no kings, so let your sails stretch high, and your bowsprit lift. May the deck be dry, and your winds be swift. May your aim be true, and your captain wise, and each fitful night bring a warm sunrise. Take flight. Dref, for the first time, takes a survey of the room and sees that, like, not only are these six people that are in this room like thugs, but they're all kind of brandishing weapons, basically weapons to kill. I think I'll have that drink now. Of course. The person, like, brings over a tray and sets it on the table in front of you. Dref picks up the drink and kind of downs it all in one go and sets the glass back on the tray. (sighs) Do it. Fine, then. He brings up the signal for them to raise their guns. As they raise their guns, uh, Dref's eyes kind of roll back into his head, and he summons um, some – like he starts basically casting a divine spell to raise the man who um, was just uh, like – killed on the floor and instead of having the man attack he's going to have that man jump on dref and try to shield his body uh, from these bullets as they like fall into this man instead i love it if everybody's made their offers i believe before we start uh, pu- pushing any pressures uh, i believe I would like my clients to adjourn uh, for a short period of time uh, to talk over some of these offers. Uh, yeah, let's um, let's go ahead and uh, and take take a break. So with that, uh, spooky butlers enter the room and <laughs> like they, multiple spooky butlers. Yes, multiple <laughs> spooky <laughs> butlers enter the room. They put down a platter of like hors d'oeuvres on the table uh, and escort uh, the rest of you out into a separate meeting room. Uh, Jonnet uh, starts to leave and then runs 
back and then grabs a lobster tail and he leaves. <laughs> the separate meeting room has hors d'oeuvres as well. They oh, no. are less fancy. Um, it's some ice water and some crackers. <sighs> I can't keep, I can't, I can't control him. What? I can't. What do you mean? I tried. I tried once. It feels like maggots are coming out of my skin. I I can't. Gable, we got to keep it together. It, I, if Oromar doesn't go back in there, then I don't think we have anything to negotiate with. They're not going to actually listen to us. That, the broker enters the room shortly after you've entered. Guys, you're doing great. You're doing great. Those were really good offers. I've, you know, I've brokered a lot of deals, uh, except for property. I've never heard offers like this, so you must just be over the moon. I have a question for you. That young blood offer, that can't possibly be real. Oh, oh yes. I mean, it would be guaranteed by my firm. There's well, no question. A million gold bars. Is that what they offered? One million. What gold. kind of family has that kind of liquid asset? Well, and an island. The young blood family, their their holdings are, are vast. An island? They offered you land as well. I'm I'm sorry I'm not keeping it together, but I... John is just like, he just puts the, the parchment in front of the broker's face. The broker like puts on some reading glasses, uh, spooky reading glasses, obviously. <laughs> well, I can tell you that uh, should you opt to take the Youngblood offer, there would be more than enough money for you and your crew to retire all as very independently wealthy people for the rest of your days and having land i believe that would make you he slaps the letter onto oromar's chest nobility or at least uh you know provide you the the start to that if uh, you ever fancied yourself a king you might be able to become one gable wants to control the captain again to kind of jovially clap him on the back mm-hmm uh, and grab the, the offer back. Is that going to be average again? Yep. Okay. I'm burning through strain. Mm. Why am I doing this? This is uh, failure in three advantages. Uh, Gosh, yeah, yep. You feel the pull of Oromar again, just pulling back against you. You try to, you know, initiate this sequence of movements as though you were typing in a keyboard. It, it feels like your fingers just messed up and hit the wrong keys. Mm -hmm. But instead of reacting in some way, it's as though the connection yanks forward and pulls back. And you see at the mention the broker made of Oromar being king. He turns a look on the broker, emphasizing his full height. Like we've said before, Oromar is not as tall as Gable, um, no. but he is a very tall man, and he exudes a regal dignity, even in his post-life state. He stares down, and the broker stares back at him. For a moment, in his secret heart, behind his years of business experience and being able to be nonplussed by the most absurd actions of the very wealthy and the very powerful, the broker sees a king. Yep, that is for three successes and, and one advantage. It easily. He easily shields you from, from these attacks. Uh, what, what do you do next? I think that's like a surprise So round. Yeah, so Dreff is sitting on a chair, and 
this man like basically uh, knocked him over and as a uh, advantage for that Dref is going to like spin on the floor and dive behind the bed mm-hmm. uh, and then Dref is now going to command this person to attack the nearest one of these guards excellent excellent uh, roll that so Dref is also this is he's suffering strain from all of this yes uh, my so pencil? that's been so this is that's too actually, strained to raise the guy uh, and too strained to su- silence Oh, Travis, Travis, yeah. So this is this is um, more strain to have this guy attack the closest guard. Um, I think that once Travis sees what's going on, he just starts kind of flying around trying to peck at anyone's face he can see. So maybe can we'll I get give you your, like a blue? Oh, I'll we'll get to your turn in addition. Okay, okay. Yeah, you'll, you'll actually be able to participate. So this oh is uh, two successes and three advantages. I think he easily kills one of them. think that the advantages too are I want it to be gruesome. Like I want it to be teeth on neck and like ripping out neck, leaving big arterial blood sprays all over this room. That happens. It's gruesome and terrifying. One of the soldiers sees it and screams and starts to leave the room and casually Tiberius points his gun and shoots the man dead as he leaves. If anyone else is thinking of running away from this wretch, know that that is your fate. I will have him killed and I will have it happen now. We pull out of that. You're still feeling like very drained and tired, Gable. Yeah, um... My question for the broker is, Mm -hmm. I realize that your percentage is on the line, so you're going to want us to take the most hefty offer. Can you explain to us how how delivery will occur? Do you know the specifics? Well, I don't know any ship that could possibly hold that many gold bars. We could arrange a few things. I think you would need a physical place to hold this uh, wealth. We could do that here in Bujanith. You know, you, you would take whatever percentage. Obviously, we, we could also come to another arrangement, exchange the goods for something more mobile, uh, less heavy than gold. There, there are, are jewels and other assets. Uh, also, uh, if you had the ambition to, we could uh, start seeing about building yourselves a fleet, right? You're... you're I imagine you're not giving away all of the feather weave. Make yourselves another ship. Well, uh, so what about protection? Because I, I, if the red feather, I mean they they made a point. They they said that we'd be hunted, and and we have been sort of in your protection since we've been to Bujanith. But what happens if we leave? Are if we don't sell to the red feathers? If we leave Bujanith, are we on our own again? Well, yes. Okay. Yes, I, I guess I guess the answer to that would be yes. If you were to take Mr. Lightfellow's offer, uh, everyone on your crew could easily retire and live fairly comfortably for the rest of their days, but there would always be the danger of red feather reprisal. Now, I'm, I'm sure uh, you appreciate this. I, I don't know if, if the young master does, but uh, you're in that situation anyway. 
you were in that situation the moment you called yourselves Corsair. Mm. The Red Feather just has extra motivation now. Well. You'll probably also see more privateers. Well, I guess we... I never really wanted to give them more motivation to find us, but... I still, you know, I, I the 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 promise of uh, of schooling and training to be a red feather that doesn't interest me at all. I mean, that's not even on the table for me. It might not be on the table for you, but there is your crew to consider. I'm going to be playing devil's advocate in all places. Certainly, the offer from the red feather syndicate it's enough for people to retire and live a middling existence, but. The prospect of open scholarship to the Red Feather Officers Academy, something that is usually only invitation, that could set up families of your crew for generations. Two generations of guaranteed scholarship is nothing to sneeze at. Look, our crew is mostly 60-year-old men and young teens who are sickly and then slam somewhere in the middle, all right? Like, We've collected a series of people who have not so much been rejected by society, but have decided to make a society of their own. And the prospect of joining bureaucracy, I don't think, would appeal. Fair enough. And right. also, they don't need to know about this. When do we have to decide? You don't have to decide right now, tonight. I'm sure most of uh, offers are, are eager to be through with the deal and make their next arrangements. Also, the truly ludicrous amount of gold that is being offered, I, I, there's just going to be a lot of, of paperwork and, and moving things about. If you decided now, there is a chance uh, that we could get this all sorted by the end of Iropiora. If you don't decide now, who knows? All right. Uh, and for your services, for arranging all of this, what what kind of cut are you trying to get from all of this? Well, that depends on your performance in Iropiora, doesn't it? Yes, that that mm. is part of our deal. That's right. No matter what cut, I can assure you, young master, if you were concerned about me, I would be happy with the cut of any of these. Uh, I can only imagine what I'd be able to accomplish with a few favors from the Bandit Queen. The Bandit Queen, the heart of the Bandit Queen, does that apply to whoever holds it or can that person's crew? Can someone explain this to me because I'm not very familiar. They just I put, only know a little bit. They offered bit. us $50,000 and a rock. Was it 50 or 15? 15. Okay. Uh, well, the, okay. So I've heard, um, from, uh, from people that I just knew growing up is that the, uh, the heart of the band of queen is kind of like, it's a, it's a, it's a totem that the tempest armada gives out to people that they consider to be in their favor. And so with this, it's not unlimited, but you have access to, uh, you can call upon the tempest armada to help you out. And, you know, it's a small group, but you know, added guns, added ships, added favors, added like influence that might come up and be handy in a lot of different ways. And maybe which gold won't. Oh, that's a lot of gold. It's, it's a lot of gold. I think young master has hit it right on the head. I, most people who don't know piracy or don't know the Tempest Armada would look at that offer as though it was not worth considering. I would consider it to be one of the higher offers that you've received. Obviously not touching the young blood, but the resources of the Tempest Armada, if they were committed in the proper ways, could offer potentially unlimited resources. Your crew took down the civility. 
That was a transport ship, but well-armed. And this is the cache of goods that you got from it? How well do you think you would do with five ships, ten ships, under your command? You mean I could be a captain of one of those ships? What did you say? I said I could be a captain of one of those ships, and then I got lost in my own daydream. Well, yeah, I suppose. What makes you think that you would be captain first? What? We got ten ships, and there's only four of us. Technically, yes, but as far as, like, bureaucratic rank goes. I mean, I could... I'm... I'm kind of killing it since we I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm gay bull. I... uh, Okay. Are you... I mean, are you sure you want to keep trying to give orders to the captain? It seems like he's... He'll be fine. Oh, he just feels... It feels like he's getting better at... Just so you know, you are going to have one more big role before that happens that will influence some things if you decide to leave it open. So when it comes to wounds, if you get to zero wounds, you can pull from strain. Does it come if... Yes. Yes. Can I pull from wounds from strain? Yes. Okay, then I'll be fine. Okay. I'm a hale and hearty beef. (laughs) Just letting you know that you'll have one more big role that might influence things if you decide to not make a decision. Yes. Hale and hearted salted beef. Yes. Uh, Now, uh, would anybody like to know uh, more details about Lightfellow's Ranch? Because that vacation would be a very nice vacation. I don't. I don't take him seriously. I don't take anything he says seriously. And also, I went to the Lightfellow uh, Ranch when I was uh, about eight years old, and I rode a cow, and that was it. That's kind of it. Yeah, yeah the yeah, experience. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, not to drag on cows. And great. And then I just saw. I saw. I saw truly fifty cows get slaughtered while riding a separate. Cow. Yeah, it's. A, it was show a you the before, tour. the during. For, and they really should emphasize the during war because that's a big part <laughs> of that experience. They sell it. They bill it as a family thing, and I don't. I don't know. I don't know. My sister had waking nightmares about that uh, that family vacation for a long time. Yeah, it's a lot. Uh, my suggestion is that we go back in and see if we can. At the very least, these offers are in such high ranges i want to see if we can narrow down to very minute details maybe we might need to be here all night to see like guarantees can we how much can we get up front and just in case something goes bad just to cover cover ourselves yeah who's who's willing to play the game yes exactly all right uh okay let's go back in so we're now going to be dropping into initiative. Roll your your dice real quick. Do I have bird stats? Um, I don't think so. Uh, bird stats. I'm I'm gonna say you've got one in everything except for agility, which you have three. This is vigilance, right? Yes. Okay. Ooh, yeah. One advantage. Okay. Uh, Draft is two and two. Okay, uh, so Dref, you are going to be up first. Okay, so I think what I want to do is – so Dref has basically just had – killed one of the guards and another one was shot by my brother. And when that man was shot, I wanted to take three steps back and hit the back wall yeah. um, and start to like slide down as he's obviously yeah. killed. Mm-hmm. But Dref is going to reach out uh, to that man as the life leaves his body and try to turn him as well to jump on top of Alistair. I love it. Uh, Okay, more divine will. And Dref now has taken more, uh, let's see, eight strain. Mm -hmm. Dref has taken more strain at this point than he's 
ever done, and he's like really struggling to keep all of these things up. And I think that like so bl- there are two red dice instead of two purple. Ooh, this. I bet uh, you're also about to puke from all this dang blood. Yeah, oh yeah, Dreth. Uh, you know what? I can uh, let me roll my uh, discipline check too uh, <laughs> after this. Uh, just that's just a fun puke mechanic mm-hmm. for me. Um, <laughs> but but Dreth is like blood is like kind of streaming down his nose as his like focus is kind of intense. Split so many ways at this point. Yeah. Well, it's a still a success. Excellent. Um, it's a uh, success and two advantages. Obviously, that's not going to kill Tiberius, but it's going to, like, basically, I want him to grapple, try to grapple with Tiberius. Okay, yeah. This uh, Tiberius, man, is, this Tiberius is set just in killed. a grapple. Yeah. Um. At, <laughs> at that, Treff sees kind of the blood and the mm. carnage and starts to puke. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Have you been made sick by your own perversions, brother? <laughs> uh, as part of Dref's like intense focus, too, you can see that like his eyes are kind of rolled back into his head, and it's like the his eyes are basically all white as he's like trying, and he's still like trying to keep that other um, reanimated corpse up and this corpse that is on uh, his brother. It doesn't have quite the same air as Orimar. It's more just like floppy you know like he's jerking these like corpses around i i like it like kind of a limp marionette exactly every muscle that isn't useful for doing what they're doing is kind of hanging limp yeah Yeah. oh that rules so i think that the soldiers are going to go first uh they're going to try and shoot at the spooky butler who is extra spooky mm-hmm. now that he is covered in blood. So I think they're going to have two black dice for that because this is just so very spooky. Oh my God, yeah. Their, their shots go wild around the room. They're trying to hold it together, but they can't as this like zombie thing is like lumbering at them. Meanwhile, Tiberius is wrestling with this dead man and he is going to try and throw the creature off of him. Uh, I'll give him a black die since I had two advantages on that, too. Excellent. Okay. A success, a triumph, and two threats. Uh, So he, I I think, like, doesn't manage to kill this creature, but he throws it over the sofas in the room and off of himself. And he goes, I am tired of this, and I have waited to see this for far too long. He reaches into his pocket, and he pulls out something small in his hand. Dref, you feel the hairs in the back of your neck stand up. There's like kind of an aura of divine magic in the room that you are unfamiliar with. Travis, against your like conscious will, there is something of the natural like fear instinct inside this bird that is disturbed by the presence of this thing. It appears to be a small two pieces of flint stone that he is holding in front of himself. The air is just full of weird sparks as he is muttering something in the divine language under his breath. Dref, I would like to hear uh, a knowledge forbidden roll oh, from you. Oh, you know, you know that is the first one. Uh, so good. And this is going to be hard. It's so good. <laughs> knowledge forbidden. Uh, and that's three purple? Yes. That is a triumph. Just a triumph. Oh, okay. Sort of triumph. 
I think in the margins of your master's notebooks, which you were only able to read if you were able to secret your way to them, late nights, perhaps when he had fallen asleep at his table, as you were you know, clearing things away and, and getting him to his bed, you saw something about the cutting stone. Towards the end, your master was unraveled. Uh, he was always mumbling about being watched, about someone coming after him. He was always careful to stop you from practicing things that you needed to practice, from discovering things that you needed to discover because of the cutting stone. And here you are in the room with this thing. And the feeling that you're describing now, you recognize this feeling in the scribblings of a madman that you studied under for two years. As you feel them get closer together, uh, the energy starts to permeate the room. Travis, you have the opportunity to act. Okay, Travis is just going to fly at Tiberius to try and peck his eyes. And, and just get him to stop. Excellent. Uh, I think Travis also has a black die because he's a little bit... Okay, drunk. a little bit spooked, yeah. Oh, drunk. I was going to say drunk. Drunk. Oh, yeah, sure. Or both. Would it be a, like a this, brawl This or is a like melee? a melee, um, but it based on agility instead of okay. strength. So if you have any training at all in melee. I do not. You <laughs> can try to entreat a luminary for this. Yeah, why not? And what's the difficulty? Uh, the difficulty For on treating this, you just do it. Uh, this is going to be two red dice. Jesus. Okay. Yeah, let's do a luminary. Okay. And let's see who you've got on your side. The children. Uh, so the children are about justice and inevitability. So I kind of think they're on your side in this one. Okay. So do I get um, So you were going to upgrade this. Okay. So just one of them. Yep. Cool. Roll it. Um. Yeah, that's three successes. What does it look like as you take out his eye? Oh. Uh, I think I think I just kind of dive right at his eye with my beak, and raven beaks are gigantic. Huge. Yeah. So I think it's kind of. <gasps> I think it's like a, a reckless move that was not very well planned, mm-hmm. and I just kind of dive straight at it, and I hit it and get his eye in one clean shot, but I didn't really have any plan beyond that. So I think he pretty quickly, like, basically smacks me away. Oh, you would think that would be the natural reaction for a person doing that. You'd be right. He does. He does. (laughs) Uh, But he is speaking the divine language right now. He doesn't even flinch to make a move to protect himself. And as you tear his eye from its socket, he continues to speak the words, but he screams them in agony instead. Uh, so you re-enter the room. Waters and drinks have been refreshed. Jonnet, your drink, uh, which was untouched, has had cherries replenished. There are now three swords with cherries. <laughs> Too many cherries. <laughs> Come in. Oh, 
Oh, my compliments to whatever spooky butler sent this in. <laughs> and he takes out, he takes one out. He like puts all, he puts the whole sword in his mouth, pulls out with no cherries, takes the other sword that he had that doesn't have any cherries and just does like a clink, 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 clink <laughs> for two seconds. And then he realizes it's game time and he puts them back in his pockets. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone sort of looks to you expectantly. We've had a chance to um to consider all of your offers, and they are, in one way or another, very, very vast and generous. And we want to um, thank you all for coming to the table. Um, we have some questions um, about these offers, mainly in the, the delivery aspect of them. With everyone, uh, with the exception of uh, the our, uh, clients that couldn't be here, when would we be able to expect payment? The Bandit Queen has agents in the city and would be willing to meet about payment as soon as you are ready. The heart of the Bandit Queen is something that you could leave with tonight. Okay. Uh, Westfield? I believe we could get you your writs of pardon by... Tomorrow, provided uh, are all the members of your crew literate? Well enough. Enough to sign a name. Enough to sign an X. (laughs) With an X, we'd probably need to uh, hurry in an attorney from another city. Wouldn't take long, maybe a day or two. Mm. Uh, As far as the money, that would take some time to put together, though being pardoned souls uh, and owners of a newly minted privateer ship, uh, you would have all the time you would need to collect such a payment. Well, now I could get you the (laughs) money today, but of course... My ranch ain't here, so it would take as long as it would take you to get to the ranch to get to the ranch. And as far as... And as far as the Stetsons, of course, we'd need to get measurements. Uh, we could have those shipped to you, or you could pick them up at the ranch. That's up to you. And really, if you are going to go with the ranch vacation, you need a full week to really experience it. Mm-hmm. I don't think and so. And you'd have as much time as you wanted, really. I mean, I, I've lived on the ranch my whole life, and I still only feel like I scratched the surface. <laughs> um, now, uh, just uh, real, real quick, uh, Mr. J.D. Uh, as please, I- please. Call me JD. <laughs> okay, JD. Um, I just, I just have a question. I, I don't know. There's no way you would remember, but uh, as a, as a kid, as a, as a smaller, smaller kid, I, I my family came through and saw your ranch um, for a, for a family vacation. I don't know if you remember the Kessler family. Uh, we were the family with the the young daughter that you made her watch as you slit one of your cow's throats. Now, that's not ringing a bell, but you got to understand we see <laughs> hundreds of families a week. It's a popular destination, but uh, I hope she enjoyed the trip. No, she did not. She did not. Well, uh, I don't follow. <laughs> she did not have a good... Have you? Has anyone ever told you that they didn't have a good time? Well, no, Had never. You... <laughs> wow. Um, we've, got, we've got a five-star rating on... 
Yelp. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the magical dogs that rank things. <laughs> yeah, they, they yelp. The dog comes by when people are thinking about doing the tour and they yelp five times and then like, the folks say, well, this tour seems all right. Now, obviously, I am a broker and I am acting in part on behalf of my clients. Would this come with a fast pass? Or how many fast passes? Oh, well, of fast. course, we do have a fast pass system. If you do book the tour mm-hmm. and you stay on property, uh, you can book a fast pass 60 days in advance. If you're just coming in for a tour and staying off property, you only get 30 days. But as part of this uh, offer, I'd be willing to give you all a VIP tour. Uh, given by yours truly. No need for fast passes to the front of the line. Oh, every line. What I- What's in the VIP tour? Well, you get to stare out onto the pasture. You can <laughs> pet some live beef. Okay. I'll, I'll let you... <laughs> I'll let you slaughter one yourself, no. and you can. Okay, no, thank you. You can pick the cure and spices, and well, shoot! I said I wasn't gonna do this, but I'll let you name a blend after your ship. <laughs> now, if you're gonna if you're gonna do this, you'll want a character breakfast. <laughs> I don't think I do. I don't think so. I think that's the last now, thing that lot I of, want. A lot of people think that they wouldn't want that. It's a great experience. Is it just the cow that you're going to eat later? <laughs> well, no, it's a man dressed up as a cow. <laughs> <laughs> so I see the real cow, but I also see the fake cow. But he is the man is playing the fake cow with the knowledge that you're going to <laughs> eat him later. He sounds, so he's terrified. <laughs> well, it's important to reckon with mortality whenever you're going to eat some beef. Okay, I think we've heard enough from that side of the table forever. All right, well, when can I put you down for the tour? Uh, We're good. Uh, JD, Keep we, on considering. We will, uh, we'll, uh, we'll get back to you, uh, but thank you so much for making the trek out here. It probably it's, must not be easy. Wait a minute. What? <laughs> what? I mean, you... No, no, we no, do. We're, we're, just, we're, still, just, we're still thinking about it. How about another uh, sweet tea? With uh, some whiskey. But, uh, well, I'm, I'm actually, I'm actually just, I'm waiting for this one uh, until we're at the end. I don't, I don't need any more. I'm, I'll, yeah, I'll take more. I'll take more strawberries, cherries, if you got them. <laughs> a spooky butler. <laughs> <laughs> wow, just a handful of cherries. Thank you. Um, and those are on the house. <laughs> Was that every? And I guess we wouldn't know the young blood. Yeah, yeah. The, the guarantees there. I was sent here. With the assurance that there's something left inside Oromar Vale that cares about more than wealth. Is that true? I can't speak for the captain. Um, Then why am I talking to you? Because I'm his representative. We both then are. literally you can speak. Well, I mean, I can't. That is what I, that means. What I mean is, <laughs> what I mean is I cannot say... Uh, I will not put words in his mouth, but I know that he is a good man and he he does care. And he, sometimes he may seem cold, but he does have a heart. He is the only man who has broken the heart of the bandit queen. Everywhere, every time. Mm-hmm. Every time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Gable, uh, okay, I'm going to roll. And based on the role, we'll figure out what happens with the captain. 
Cool. Okay. Yes. Mystery right. roll. Mystery roll. We get to the top of the next round of initiative, which is Dref. So Dref, like, correctly identifies this. You said cutting stone? The cutting stone. The cutting stone. Yes. There's still, you know, other people up that have, you know, guns aimed. You know, I think still four people up, right? Mm-hmm. And Dref kind of crosses over, like, the room towards his brother and is trying to channel divine magic. His his He drops, like, his, you know, animated creatures kind of – his focus splits on them. Mm-hmm. And now he's trying to – push the stones apart as his brother tries to push them closer together. Oh, I love it. Uh, so I guess I'm going to do reds against my brother mm-hmm. and I'm still, um, it's going to be two red and a purple. And I'm still taking, um, strain damage as I'm you trying to channel divine magic here up to 10 strain now. Oh, ho, ho, ho. so it is a disadvantage. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did roll a despair, but I have three successes up against it. So do I cancel the despair or the despair still happens and there's two successes? So the despair always happens. So there's, there it's a despair successes. and two successes. I think you managed to put a barrier between these stones mm-hmm. and he is not able to overcome it entirely. Just like the barest edge of them meet and will – uh, address that in a second really at this point i just kind of want to look at you've you've dropped these grim puppets mm-hmm. uh so the soldiers in the room are able to turn their attention to you and, and i'm exposed because i'm out of my like hiding spot now they're gonna take a shot <laughs> what a yeah so that is one success so you are gonna take five damage minus your soak okay four damage so I have uh, six hit points left or wounds left because I've okay. taken four damage. And where is Dref hit? Um, the butt. But no, I would say stomach. I would say like ricochet. Maybe a, it's a ricochet bullet that hits me in like the back. Uh, Ooh, the the okay. back, like the kind of where my kidneys are i like that okay so yeah i think it like even hits just a piece of furniture or something next to you and because you say it's a ricochet shot like there's just some shrapnel that catches you from that dref winces but can't keep his is still continuing to strain against this thing so as your brother's words were filling the air as screams in this language you felt the world around you darken And I think, Travis, you feel this too. And it's very similar to when you touched the angel feather. The world around you is full of thousands of points of light. And they slowly start to turn towards you. And on your brother's turn, just the barest edges of these stones manage to touch each other. So rather than thousands of points of lights turning towards you there's just one the world starts to melt and fall away the reality around you starts to feel less significant and it feels colder your brother is still in the room with you these bodies that you had recently resurrected and you still have a latent connection with are with you travis is with you and a point of light is with you as well. 
it materializes into a figure wearing a gray robe that has a stone knife in its hand. And it looks towards you. Do I recognize this figure? You've never seen them before, but you can't really see a face or anything. They're completely shrouded and hooded. But there's something in you that lets you know that this isn't safe. Gotcha. Okay. Travis, what do you do? Um, <clears throat> well, I have a question. If yes. I were to fly at this thing to try and attack it, would, mm-hmm. I, is it, would I like fly right through it? Or is it is uh, it a real physical being? You don't know at this point. Okay. Uh, then I, th- I think, you know, because this reminds me of when I touched the feather, which was not great. Mm-hmm. Travis is screaming in bird sounds uh, and just tries to dive right at this. Rad. Okay. Make an attack against it. Sure. What's the difficulty? The difficulty on this, I think, is going to be, I mean, it's just an attack, so two purple. Okay. Yeah, a, failure a failure and uh, a failure. You dive towards it. You dive. Yeah, <laughs> you dive. Uh, you dive towards it. Um, and as you get closer, you feel colder and colder and more. The, the feeling of terror that's inside the body of this bird starts to grow. And its irrational mind starts to overpower your rational one. It wants to be away from that. And then, okay, jeez. Gable panics and just puts in, like, tries to do any sort of command. Nothing specific. It's just pure fear because they kind of know they might be in trouble. Jeez, okay. Uh, uh. Done. Two failures and an advantage. (laughs) Oh, no. The captain stands up and looks around the room and walks over to the chair behind Leotoa, looks down at the heart of the bandit queen, picks it up. Gable, you feel a rush of emotion enter you. An emotion that actually might feel very familiar and might cause other flashbacks, you can tell me in a minute, but you feel that warm anxiety of longing of love bubble up inside you for a moment. It's tinged with with a bitter taste of heartbreak in it as well. The captain holds this object as though it is the most precious jewel in the world. And then suddenly, there is a sense of urgency that overwhelms you. A sense of fear and anger. The captain runs moves over to the window a large stained glass portrait of a bird and a skull that overlooks the marketplace and jumps through it.
we're going to move to the top of the initiative in the next round. Dref, it is you. So Dref sees Travis try to strike this thing and like kind of recoil in fear. Dref also feels that fear sinking in and Dref has been has been like trying to maintain this connection to keep those stones apart, but this thing is now in front of him and Dref looks up at Travis again and with Dref's kind of almost this is one of his last reserves of strain mm-hmm. is going to attempt to use divine magic to counteract whatever thing is happening here and suck Travis out of this thing. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, I love that. Um, before you even roll that, mm-hmm. I would like you to roll a knowledge forbidden okay. to understand these circumstances. What's the difficulty here? Uh, the difficulty is again going to be hard. You did get a triumph earlier, actually, so let's make it average. Oh, okay. Nice. You, oh, yeah. On the, I got a triumph on that first on one. On that first one, yeah. That is straight up four successes. Four successes. Yeah. Uh, you, you can learn something important here about what this is. Sure. I think you notice that it is at, like after you and that it is after Travis uh, in a way. Is there anything else that you want to know? Because you have an opportunity before you uh, hopefully successfully do this maneuver that shields Travis. You'll be able to tell him something. It's after me and it's after Travis. Mm -hmm. Do I know what the nature of this thing is? All you knew before is that it's something that your master believed was watching him and coming for him. Got it. Okay. So after I get that, I am... And you can ask me any question. I can give you whatever knowledge or you can make something up as a player. Like you rolled well enough to just make something up to tell Travis. So I think I'm only going to say one thing to Travis when I kind of understand the nature of this thing. And I think I'm going to change the spell that I'm trying to cast. And this thing has this stone knife out, right? Yes. Okay. So I think I am going to, I want to try to cast a binding spell that will bind this thing's search to my life force and shield Travis from it so that this thing can only see me and it and it like focuses all of its attention on me. Okay. Basically. I mean so I mean you you basically said it already but I will remind you that if you do that it will be focused solely on you and everything it will be doing will be going after Draft. Yes. Okay. Okay. Uh, what is the difficulty on this divine magic? Uh, the difficulty, I gotta set it at hard. Uh, is it upgraded too, or is it just, is it just, um... It, it is purples? just purples. Just purples. Okay, cool. Let's, oh, we don't need it. I'll throw it out. <laughs> oh yeah, baby. One success and one, no, two threats. One success and two threats. I think you managed to do it, uh, and you can actually see... Travis disappear from this as you do it. What does your magic look like? It's kind of like a barrier like my other magic is, but Travis is captured just outside of that barrier, and the only thing that's caught within it are Alistair, or yeah, myself, Tiberius, and this thing. As I like put that bubble there, like uh, that thing's attention turns solely on me, and I shoot Travis like another look Mm -hmm. and say... Run. So we'll get back to your perception in a second, but this thing has to take its turn, um, and it is going to attack Draft. 
All right, and you have definitely done some necromancy in the past day or two. I mean, minute. <laughs> so it does have a threat, but you have, uh, let's see here. So you have eight damage coming at you. Also seven with soak. I'm, I'm going to be down with eight damage. That's five. So, so I'm technically like negative two with wounds. Okay, negative two on wounds. Mm-hmm. What is your strain at? Uh, I have four strain left. So uh, the, if you're a negative two on wounds, that means you have two strain left. Gotcha. It's a jerky, blinking movement. Uh, this creature moves to you almost like a strobe light is, is in this like very dark abyss. It slowly comes towards you, and then there is just a stab into your chest towards your heart. And you can feel your heartbeat against this cold, cold knife. It's almost like you feel your flesh freezing around the knife as it is stabbed into you. You are up close to this creature. You can see under its hood. It is just a void. And you notice the hand now for the first time is a skeletal hand. There is no flesh on it. We do enter the next round of initiative, though. You, <laughs> what do you do? Uh, the, the, the captain has made his decision. <laughs> <laughs> and and Jonnet is, Jonnet is, he's staring, uh, he, he looks out, he sees, look, he sees the shattered window, he looks back at the, at the table, and he's just deer in the headlights, his, his uh, upper lip is trembling, and he's, uh, uh, the captain has made his decision. Uh, Corsairs forever. And, <laughs> and the Uhuru will be taking the... The offer. We have to go. We'll talk about your, the fifteen thousand gold pieces later. Thank you. Goodbye. And John is like slowly moving backwards. John, um, we have to go. We're going with uh, the, uh, the, the, the the armada. <laughs> Thank you so much, the broker. We're we handling go all the now. details. Goodbye. Don't forget your tea. <laughs> God. Yeah, I think the we, we see the broker move over to the window, completely flabbergasted, and look out as they can see that somehow, uh, from this tremendous height, Oromar has landed on the ground and is now running down the street. I just don't understand y'all city folk. <laughs> <laughs> That's the button. I, yeah. <laughs> Got two strain left. So you can do. did I? Did I go that round? Oh you, you no! Got, but you're you're got you got bubbled out. Okay. So so, so for, from my perspective, am I just back in the room? You will be. We will return to your perspective when I get to, as soon okay. as this is resolved. So, Dref looks into the face of this thing that doesn't have a face, uh, as you know, blood is pretty much streaming out of uh, his body, and this knife is buried into his chest. And looks up into this void's uh, face and smiles and says, we can't be afraid of what we don't know. And then he reaches both of his hands up into that thing's face. 
and um, channels the rest of uh, the divine magic that he has before he can pass out uh, into, or before he basically bleeds out into this thing's face. Uh, and this is, I don't have a particular spell in mind for what this yeah. is, but this is just raw divine energy pouring into this thing. I really, really love this. I don't think you really need to roll for this. It's, but I will anyway. Yeah. It's a failure. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why I didn't want to roll. Uh, <laughs> you puke uh, into, I the puke void. into the void. <laughs> I think Dref learns something. Learns something that that he's wanted to know for a long time. In life, things happen to people. Plans don't always work out the way they should. You can have a truly massive amount of potential. And sometimes fate just gets in the way. We don't get to see the endings that we want to see. Because different ones find us along the way. But with his last act, Dref Wormwood chose to learn secret things. He has dedicated his entire life to the pursuit of knowledge. In order to gain it, he burned his name, Alistair Youngblood. He set aside his family, his comfort, and his safety, because he believed the world around him was deserving of a deeper mercy. He believed that if someone was willing to gaze into the abyss that they might be able to use that knowledge to help people, and that the slings and arrows of a world that might never understand him were nothing in the face of that mission. We don't get to choose our endings. We don't get to say the goodbyes that would give us peace. But as we watch him cast this spell, we know that Dref Wormwood, a man who has devoted his life to questions, has found answers. And we know that the last experience that he has as a living creature is that feeling of accomplishment. And we move quickly to Travis's perspective. Uh, so I think as soon as Travis hears Dref tell him to run mm -hmm. and is pushed back into the the real world or, or whatever it may be, uh, I think he f basically is trying to get to the rest of the crew as fast as possible. So I love that. So yeah. he flies out the window, kind of looking behind, seeing everyone sort of frozen in time the, like he's seeing them just so, frozen in time in the room yeah like it's like time slowly starts to start up again as you drop out at first people are moving in slow motion and as you beat your wings towards the door reality and time starts to restore itself and as you look back uh you see dref collapse i think how far are they from where I, uh, they being Gable and, and Jonnet. Maybe a block or two. Can I get to them? 
you can you can get to them and you can get to them like within two or three minutes especially if you book it um then i'm gonna do that but something that strikes you as you are flying out to like find a window to to get out and go to them you see oromar Vale coming the other way what dashing into the room what? With a sword drawn. Oromar moves into the room. We move past Travis, who is focused on this mission of going to contact his friends. His sword is drawn. We hear screams from the room of these red feather soldiers uh, as we see fresh blood spatter across this suite. And the last thing we see before the episode ends mm-hmm. is Oromar's sword clashing against Tiberius's in the middle of the room. The stars fade to nothing, the sun starts its turn. We know there's adventures and stories to earn. So we part from this table where hearts ever burn as we leave with one promise, a hasty return. dwindles an echoed refrain to those who won't weather the wind and the rain though our number may lessen our memories remain as once more we'll gather to speak every lost name health to the strangers who've ever been kind and once for our friends ne'er to rise twice to the dearest we're leaving behind who know we can Never deny the call of the sky to the strangers who've ever been kind, and once for our friends ne'er to rise. Twice to the dearest we're leaving behind, who know we can never deny the call of the sky. And that is our episode. Well, Drift's dead! Hey heroes, welcome to the mid-roll. I'm James D'Amato, your host and game master, and I'll bet some of you have guessed this is a pretty big episode for us. I imagine you've already figured it out, but just to make things explicitly clear, this marks JPC's last episode as a main cast member on campaign. A couple months ago, JPC got offered a day job that would radically change his life. A lot better pay and a lot more responsibility. 
so much that he had to cut back on some areas of his performing life. And after a lot of talking, we decided that campaign should probably be one of those areas. Now, we're definitely sad to lose JPC because we love working with him, but we're so happy at this new opportunity. I hope it brings him all the success and happiness in the world because he really deserves it. We went back and forth about whether to tell people that this was going to happen long before it actually happened, or to leave it as a big surprise. One of JPC's requests for Dress Finale was that there be no spoilers. I'm not a fan of cynicism in fiction or narrative cruelty. I really don't like shows that kill off main characters without ceremony or warning. It doesn't sit right with me. But JPC leaving the show is a huge event, and I wanted it to go down in the most dramatic way possible. He put in such an incredible performance as Dref and really showed us his range as a performer. And frankly, there are storylines with Dref that we didn't get to play out. So I wanted the last story with Dref to be something that people really, really remembered. Because folks, both Dref and JPC are worth remembering. John is someone who's been with me from the beginning of One Shot, six years ago. I cast him on the first episode of the One Shot podcast after hearing him on an episode of Making New Friends pretending to be a centaur. All I knew about him was that he was terrifically funny and that he played role-playing games. Over the last six years, he's been one of the most reliably entertaining people that I've ever worked with. He's brilliant, so committed to the work, and committed to having fun. Working with him on campaign has been a joy. Both as Trist and Dref Wormwood, JPC has shown a true passion for storytelling. And he lent so much of his wonderful creativity to helping us make the Skyjack setting. Now, this is by no means the end of our working relationship with JPC. We're going to have him back on episodes of One Shot. And I hope that we'll do some things related to campaign with JPC at some point in the future. But in a sense, this is still a goodbye. Goodbye to JPC as a regular companion on this show. He's helped us build something really, really incredible. And I still think it's going to go to wonderful places, even without him. So I ask that everyone in our audience please show JPC your appreciation this week. And the way we're going to do that is really weird. We're going to do it by waiting a full week to actually thank him for what he's done. If you're like me, you have emotional thoughts about how much JPC as a performer and his characters have meant to you. I want you to take those thoughts and write them down and sit on them until at least next week's episode of Campaign, because waiting a little bit is going to help people avoid these spoilers. If everybody rushes to thank JPC for everything that he's done on the show right away, then that's going to give away the ghost, and that's not how JPC wanted Dref's last episode to go. Once we hit next week's episode, then unleash the floodgates. Find him on social media, whether it's on Twitter or Instagram, at JPSoFly, and thank him for the five incredible years that we spent with him on this show. I want this mid-roll to mostly be JPC-focused, but I do want to point out that this Saturday, we're going to have a live show at Gen Con. Because of Second City, Tyler is not able to join us for that. But we worked out a format for the show that will just feature Johnny and Liz. It's going to be a really special show because we're going to be looking at Gable and Travis's past together as immortals. There is 200 years of history that is a big blank spot in both the setting and those characters' lives. And we're going to illuminate a little bit of it in front of an audience. We've already recorded a couple sessions after JPC leaving the show. And we've done our best to continue to pay homage to Dref, and of course honor JPC's amazing performances throughout the years. Skyjacks is still going to be really good. In fact, I am super excited about the episodes that you'll hear next. 
That won't be next week. Next week, we're going to feature the live show that we recorded here in Chicago. It'll give our editor, Casey, a little bit of time to rest up after Gen Con because, who boy, is that a draining show. A tremendous thanks to our Patreon backers, as always. But really, this is JPC's week. So, John, thank you so much. I hope you don't mind, but I am going to read part of the resignation note that you sent us because I think the listeners should hear it too. I'll miss our game immensely. I'll miss working with each of you. Know that you'll have a listener for life, and I can't wait to experience campaign from the outside. John, I am sure our audience is glad to count you as one of them. Now, with all of that out of the way, how about a dear Uhuru? We return once again to the application line for the Uhuru, full of all sorts of colorful characters. We see two young people approach the audition table and slap down resumes and headshots together. Um, I thank you so much for coming up. Uh, I think uh, you were you were behind uh, this person right here. So it, we actually do this one at a time. If you want to oh, just go uh, ahead and uh, oh. no, no, we're 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 applying together. Um, yeah, um, we're applying together. Oh, Our, uh, what? I'm Jane. This is Pliff. <laughs> See, this means nothing to me. So could you please... Uh... I mean, we're interviewing to be on your ship. We'd like to be on your ship. Uh, and we're a team. We're a unit. So, Oh, we... Here's, I'm Jane, Pliff. Uh, thank you so much for, for coming out. Um, this is kind of embarrassing, but we actually don't accept applications in duos. So if you'd like to apply, we'd love to have you, but we will have to ask you to uh, to do it one at yeah, a okay, time. Okay, look, these are the turns. Pliff can definitely not uh, apply alone, so Then either... he's... We'll hire you instead. Okay, well, yeah, well, yeah. What's what's going on with Pliff? Pliff, what what are you, what are your strengths or maybe your weaknesses? Uh, wow. Okay, I'm glad you asked about weaknesses. Wow, uh, you are immediately sweaty. It's hot. Is it hot? No, it's not. Out it's or not. in it here? I don't know if we're inside or outside. We are inside. We are oh, we're inside. <laughs> Look at this huge coat I'm wearing. How could it be hot? I'm, oh. My tank top is really shimmering with sweat. Nice. Okay, uh, I don't like life threatening situations. Mm. Okay, Ooh, we all Pliff. I don't know if. Uh, that's kind of all we deal with right most now. Most of the time, yeah. Yes. Most of the time, it's mostly life or death. Okay, I'm going to be one thousand percent honest. You with don't you. need to be. Just tone that down nine hundred percent. Okay, great. I would be a really good pirate. I don't think so. You everything I would you be said a very says good no. pirate. I would be a very good pirate, and I should be on your ship. Pliff, do you want to be on a pirate ship? I'm still toning it down. Uh, you know, just give me. I would be a great pirate, and I definitely want to be on this ship for sure. So here's the thing. This is clearly a bad idea. But I like the narrative and world building implications. What does that mean? <laughs> because these people mean nothing to me. Yeah, here's I, the don't, thing. I don't think I've met them in either iteration or incarnation of this voice or character or person. <laughs> so I have what you might call a tenuous relationship with things reality. from the past and reality. <laughs> so I am aware of these people and sort of their deal a little bit, but not... How? Uh, what, what is their deal? How do you know their deal? <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Sorry. I didn't mean to knock that over. Cliff, Cliff, Cliff you just face-planted very hard and broke a lamp. <laughs> Why did you bring a lamp? <laughs> I don't know. I thought it might be dark. I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, well, you see, I've heard stories of 
uh, two people exactly like this uh-huh. uh, on a far distant planet in the stars. And you think that these people are those people oh, and not just people with similar names. Who's to say? Listen, I am a ruthlessly competent Hardworking woman. Okay. I and like her. Yes. I like her. Excellent. So we'll hire you, Justin. Don't you. go anywhere without him. Why? Why, <laughs> Why not? It feels like he sucks ass. He, <laughs> he, he he dragged a lamp in here. He has his moments. What, what, what moments? Give me okay. Actually, you know what, Jane? Um, would you uh, uh, maybe vouch for for uh, Pliff uh, more so than normal? Uh, give me an example of a moment in which he really excelled and uh, showed his leadership in the heat of the moment. Okay, if we're gonna look at his leadership skills and we're searching around for one of those stories, uh-huh. it's gonna be a long time. He's considerate, though. He's thought, don't you wish that you had somebody on the ship that you could just talk to and would actually listen to you? I mean, no, that's, that's Gable. What the, that's what all the birds and stuff that I bring into my room are for. And slam. <laughs> <laughs> listen, I, I appreciate that uh, probably the plith slot on the ship has already been filled, but I can tell you that I'm worth at least three people. Um, if you'd, uh, uh, John, it reached down and grabs like a, a shard of that lamp. If you could, uh, hit this, huh! Jane does an impressive ninja star throwing move. Ooh. She just, uh, throws a ninja star, goes straight into a Naruto pose, <laughs> three point landing. <laughs> uh, it looks really impressive. Pliff, uh, I mean, gets all, hit in the that. eye by one of the pieces. <laughs> ah! Oh! <laughs> Please. Oh, I think it really hurt. Get him out of here. He finds ways to be hurt. Wait, wait, wait. Hang on. Jane, are you you, uh, competent in first aid? Could you patch Pliff up right now? I could certainly bandage things. All right. Okay, so if you were to come on board and Pliff were to come on board as well, and if you promise that you will tend to Pliff then I I say I say that I'm it. Well, I'm down. It seems if you say you're worth three people, and I'm pretty sure Pliff is worth minus two people. We only come out with one person, which is the role that we're trying to fill. <laughs> okay, well then, in that case, then Pliff, if you get on board this ship, you have to commit yourself to daily training regimens to become a more competent pirate and, also, and functioning human adult. I will never reference you ever. People will know you're here, but you will never speak. Uh, never. Oh, okay. You know, I, I think I could do that. <laughs> I, I've been feeling like it's time for me to take on kind of a reformation of character and really commit myself to something. Okay, so it's settled. Pliff and Jane will join the ship and will be there in the canon, but, but we will we'll never, never speak, speak of, of it. <laughs> never speak of it again. There will be ghosts on the wind. <laughs> But you'll know, so everyone listening can know that we did it for you. (laughs) (laughs) And see. (laughs) Campaign Skyjacks is a one-shot network production. For more information, be sure to follow us on Twitter at at CampaignPod for updates about live shows and other events we might be doing. You can find more great gaming shows over at OneShotPodcast.com.
Like Asians Represent. Asians Represent celebrates Asian creators and diversity in the gaming community. Join hosts Agatha Chang and Daniel Kwan as they discuss gaming, genre, and representation with their guests and occasionally argue with each other about the sound of Agatha's beloved Airhorn app. Jonet Kessler was played by Tyler Davis, who can be found on Twitter at Tyler A. Dave, on Mainstage with Second City, or at IO with Devil's Daughter. Gable was played by Liz Anderson, who can be found on Twitter at Liz Anderson underscore underscore underscore, or on her podcast, Paired. Travis Matigo was played by Johnny O'Mara, who can be found on Twitter at Johnny and Briefs, or on his podcast, Dilettante Ball. Dref Wormwood was played by John Patrick Cohen, who can be found on Twitter at JPSoFly, or on his podcast, Hey Riddle Riddle. I am James D'Amato, your host and game master. You can find me on Twitter at OneShotRPG or on my other podcast, OneShot. The original music featured in this production was composed and performed by Arnie Parrott. You can find Arnie on Twitter at A-R-N-E-P-A-R-R-O-T-T. And you can find more of his work at atptunes.com. This episode was edited by Casey Tony, who can be found on Twitter at Casey Pony, spelled C-A-S-E-Y. P-O-N-E-Y, or on his own podcast, Neoscum. Our logo was designed by Fiona Shea, who can be found on Twitter, at Fiona Pup. The world of Sphere was inspired in part by the music of the Decemberists and the card game Illimat, property of Together Studios. The role-playing game used for this production is a modified version of the Genesis role-playing system published by Fantasy Flight Games. There are no kings. Take flight, heroes. Health to the strangers who've ever been kind And once for our friends ne'er rise Twice to the dearest we're leaving behind Who know we can never deny The call of the sky